0: Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. It's great to have you with us today. We'll have a lot of fun on today's show, including Matt Leon. We'll talk about the Jake Arietta deal and also about Penn in the NCAA tournament. We'll get Kansas, by the way. And then we'll talk with Patrick Chambers, head basketball coach of the Nittany Lions, the open play in the NIT tonight in the Jordan Center, taking on Temple at 8 o'clock. here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, and also streaming live on WKOK.com and the Penn State Sports Network. We'll be on beginning at 7.30 this evening. And then we'll have Mark Norducci from the Philadelphia Inquirer who covered Temple this year, although Mark is out in Wichita to cover Penn basketball for the Inquirer because it is the NCAA tournament. He did cover Temple all season long. We'll get his perspective. Tomorrow, from Cleveland, Jeff Byers, the play-by-play voice of Penn State wrestling is going to join us to preview and run down the NCAA tournament In Cleveland. And then we're hoping on Friday, Doug Birdsong will join us from Detroit to preview Bucknell and Michigan State in the NCAA tournament. So we have a lot going on in the next few days, and one of the truly great weeks of the year where you've got NCAA tournament basketball, NCAA wrestling, the bids for hockey come out this weekend. And uh, for Penn State, in the NIT, so back in postseason play in earnest for the uh, Nittany Lions. Yes, you want to be in the NCAA tournament. Uh, You will have um, those who degrade the NIT. and Look, the the NCAA is, without question, the NCAA is a New Year's Six Bowl game. No getting around. The NIT... It happens to be like the Outback Bowl, the Alamo Bowl, the you know the uh, Capital One Bowl. there is a positive purpose to each to close out a season but also set the stage for the next season. And that's what it does. Now if those who want to do you're you're perfectly entitled to degrade what you perceive as being big league and what's not. The NCAA is the big lead. It is the ultimate goal. It is a disappointment not getting to it. After that, if you want to devalue the NIT, eh, that's, 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 that's your problem. It, you, know, it's, um, you can degrade it all you want. As somebody who's been around and seen the positive effects it can have on a season and future seasons... Uh, you won't see any degrading from this area, uh, this area of it, uh, because I've got a lot of experience in seeing a 1990 NIT run become a 91 NCAA tournament run, a 95 NIT run becoming a 96 NCAA tournament run, a 2000 NIT run becoming a 2001 NCAA run, a 2009 NIT championship and then the next year it didn't work, but then that same group literally came back and made the NCAAs in 11. I've seen so many times now where the positive of what this tournament can do to then set up a future, that's why I put great value in the NIT. Look, there are only 100 teams that started the week playing this this level of it. Now, you're going to play by different rules tonight. The rules are going to be interesting. I watched some of it last night. A lot of people really like the quarters. I'm not enamored with it. I mean, look, I'll announce whatever's in front of me. I mean, You know, you can get used to anything. I mean, that's, I mean, I, believe me, I can get used to it. It's not, not that I can't. You know, and it's firstly fine. There's an under five. There'll be an under five timeout in uh, the first quarter. Then, at the, then in the second quarter, you'll have an under-7 and an under-3. The timeouts are also longer. Timeouts are also longer. About three minutes worth. And thus, if you're not in foul trouble, if you're not in foul trouble, then... You can shorten your bench because you get plenty of rest periods. And believe me, Penn State's rested. I mean, they're rested. They haven't played 10 days. That's going to be interesting to watch Ohio State and South Dakota State. Ohio State's played one game in three weeks, didn't win it. I'm a witness. One game in three weeks. We'll see. But they'll play Temple tonight in the Jordan Center. And that will be at 8. And again, WKOK, streaming WKOK.com. And, of course, on the Penn State Sports Network. That's all this evening. St. Bonaventure won last night. I am thrilled for old friend Mark Schmidt. Mark was actually on the Penn State basketball staff many, many years ago as an assistant coach. And to see the success he has had at St. Bonaventure has been great. Uh, Rhode Island guy. Thick Boston accent, <laughs> which I always, I always kidded him about. I said, "You sound like all my cousins, Mark," or as he would say, "Mac." And uh, they got on the plane from Dayton at two o'clock this morning. And while the players slept, the coaches worked on Florida tape. That's what they have next. They have Mike White's team next, and I think they're. I want to say they're playing in Dallas. Now tonight it's Arizona State in Syracuse head-to-head in Dayton. So Syracuse and Arizona State will be the late game tonight. Uh, Watch the NIT last night. Wider lane, no issue. Longer three-point shot, no issue. I'm fine with both those rules. Perfectly fine. I did not see a single three-second call made last night. Now, there's certain teams in the Big Ten where camping out in the lane, Purdue, I mean, they camp out there. They camp out. A wider lane would be very interesting. Now, it's not going to ever affect them. They're all seniors now. But a a wider lane, there was not one three-second call I saw called last night. Zero. A longer three-point shot. I saw a lot of missed three-point shots last night. Now, I watched Penn State in practice yesterday. And in practice yesterday, I can tell you, Josh Reeves, Tony Carr, and Shep Garner in practice, different than a game, practice had no problem with the distance. I mean, no problem. So we'll see about that. Uh, the reset on the offensive rebound to 20 seconds, I think it's a great rule. That's got to go in. You know, you need 10 seconds across the timeline to get into an offense. Okay. So 10 seconds to do that. Great. Well, if you get an offensive rebound, you already have the 10 seconds. This creates more possessions, too, because that stuff adds up. And so I like that. Now, Baylor, the Baylor game, they couldn't do it last night. You know why? They didn't have the equipment which was sent out that is ingrained into the clock. (laughs) Hadn't arrived yet. So they had to go with the old rule. Got to reset to 30 seconds at Baylor. It didn't matter. Baylor won easily. Um, and now the quarters thing, I want to see how that works in practical application. International basketball, they love it. The women's basketball, and talking with everybody around that, they love it. It's a part of me that, you know, obviously I've done 36 years of it where it's 20-minute halves, and I'm very comfortable with doing 20-minute halves. My compromise might be on 20-minute halves is to allow a sixth personal foul. People want to see the better players out there. I mean, do you want to see, you know, let's let's take it from a Bucknell point of view. Do you want to see uh, suddenly Zach Thomas end up with two fouls in the first, like, four minutes of the game against Michigan State? I mean, if you he's, if he's got six to play with, then you know, then Nathan Davis can play it out differently. Yeah, I, mean, I think you know. I know it goes on the formula of eight, every eight minutes. NBA has six fouls, forty-eight minutes. The college game has five fouls, forty minutes. So I understand the eight-minute formula. But maybe you got to think about that. Now, I know the Big East experimented with six fouls a few years ago, and they dropped it after a year okay Uh, but uh, you want to see the better players out there and as for the quarters there's no one plus ones so that does affect strategy but here's another element that affects strategy I've heard nobody talk about and college coaches, now Patrick Chambers is actually very good at this but a lot of college coaches are not Okay? you got to think like the NBA. Think two for one, two for one, two for one. This now gives you three different, or actually four different two for ones, and gives you three different two for nuns. Thirty-second shot clock. You get a shot up uh, in between thirty-seven and forty seconds. And you still got time at the end of the quarter or end of the half to get another possession. That's where UCLA fouled up last night. They didn't do it. They didn't play two for one. Like okay. Now, you hear, heard me use the expression two for none. All right. Here's two for none. All right. You may be the one, based on the jump, that gets the ball to start the second quarter. Well, you get the final possession of the first quarter, and then you're going to get the first, the initial possession of the second quarter. That's two for none. Final possession first half, first possession of second half, two for none. That's what that means. And it, it does present strategically, if you have a thought process and play it outright, you are going to have multiple of those, what you do lose is the ability to put a team into the one plus one when you're behind with the roll of the dice that they'll miss the front end and they'll get no, nothing out of it and an empty trip, and now gives you the ball back. Hey, that you do miss out on strategically because you there are no one and ones. Once you hit five fouls in each quarter, every situation is a two shot foul, so there are no one plus the bonuses. In the NIT, so that's what you miss out on in the NIT that you'll see in the NCAA tournament. Matt on next half hour. Patrick Chambers, four oh six. Mark Narducci, uh, Philadelphia Inquirer, coming up at uh, four thirty five tomorrow. Jeff Byers scheduled on Friday. Doug Birdsong. As we continue on News Radio ten seventy WKOK, brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. All right, welcome back. Great to have you with us on the show today. Matt, how you doing, buddy? Everything going good in your life? I am
1: doing great. It's been a busy day here at, at WKOK with a lot going on, both in the sports world and the news world. So, But it's been good.
0: There is a lot going on. There is a lot going
1: That's on. That's what makes it fun, though.
0: Oh, exactly. Well, we, we enjoy days like these. No question about it, we enjoy days like these. This is... uh. This is what we get into. This is what we, uh, we have a lot of fun with. <laughs> so, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. It's a big time, too.
1: Right. Big time. We got time. March Madness. Lots going on with NFL free agency, especially yesterday. But today, too, a lot of good things are going down. So,
0: Yeah, well, well crazy things. I mean, a lot of stuff for me. A lot of movement. Everywhere you look, a lot of movement out there. That's been the uh, amazing thing about this—is all the movement we've had.
1: Probably the biggest news coming down in the last hour or so, Steve, is left tackle for the Browns, Joe Thomas, officially announcing yeah. his retirement.
0: He's going to go to the Hall of Fame and never play a playoff game.
1: I agree, and um, it, it's kind of a shame when you think of it for a Hall of Fame player, but he was that good, and just with a bad organization all these years.
0: Oh. I- he was the stalwart and not only that did you ever once hear him complain
1: not once which was also very commendable probably even more commendable than his play on the field
0: absolutely no, actually here's a stat
1: that's just... astonishing to me i found this on twitter joe thomas never started a season one and zero in his entire playing career in addition to the playoff thing that we just talked about
0: well that's under the category of that stinks Yes. <laughs> I mean, how, how bad is
1: that that's awful
0: and he's been so good his whole career. My goodness, his whole career, he was great.
1: I really thought he was going to try and stick it out one more year, but yeah. I'm obviously not surprised by this.
0: No, you can't blame him. Can't blame him. Uh,
1: though the Browns are making some nice moves, though. We'll see if it all comes together. It still has to come together for them at the quarterback position, but...
0: I, I, I don't know what bridge the bridge gap
1: guy right now and Tyrod Taylor. I thought they paid a little too high for him myself, but doesn't matter. He's obviously not going to be the future. They're probably going to get somebody here in the draft oh, no. going up.
0: Yeah, they'll draft somebody. That That is that is an obvious. They will draft somebody. And... uh just a question of where they draft him. Are they going to draft him... Uh... Are they going to draft him with the fourth pick, the first pick? Where are they going to do it?
1: I'm curious uh, now myself, especially that they just signed Carlos Hyde just a little while ago as well.
0: That to made fill no the running sense. back need No offense, but I'm sorry. You've got to go with... You you got to go with a generational player, Carlos Hyde. By the way, is not a generational player. Oh,
1: I, I agree. I, I'm if I'm the, if I'm the Browns, I'm still very strongly considering taking Saquon Barkley at one, and then you take the quarterback at four, because I don't think any of these quarterbacks are really worth the number one pick, let alone a top five, top ten pick. Right. But it it is just curious that you bring in a, a seasoned vet and Carlos Hyde. Maybe they maybe they actually might think quarterback at one. Though we heard the other day, they were thinking Barkley at one. So who knows?
2: They've got
0: the fourth pick.
1: Right. Oh, I, you, I, like you, I said, I agree. Sit there. I think they should go Barkley one and then quarterback at four.
0: Yeah, you sit there and you rate three quarterbacks. Okay, You don't have to rate anybody else. You just have to rate three. And if uh, whomever has the second pick right now is the Giants, if they take a quarterback, okay, now you're down to two. If they don't, you still have all three there. Now you eliminate your third guy. Now you worry about a team like the Bills moving up, I think the bills are not done. I think they're trying to get into the top.
1: It is a vintage three. copycat of what Howie Roseman did with the Eagles to get Carson Wentz two years Carson
0: ago. Wentz. That's, you're exactly right. And if there's a guy you're convinced is your franchise guy, go get him. Go get him. Definitely. That's what we do on this show, Matt. We go get him.
1: Exactly right.
0: Great to have you with us today, Matt. Doing great work as always.
1: Thanks, Steve. You too. Looking forward to the call tonight.
0: Yep. And coming up, Matt Lee on next half hour, we'll talk about Jake Arrieta. We'll also talk about Penn making the NCAA tournament. Patrick Chambers at 4.06 to preview tonight's Penn State matchup with Temple. Mark Narducci from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Who covered Temple all season long, but actually is in Wichita to cover Penn in the NCAA's against Kansas. Mark's going to join us in the final half hour to preview tonight's showdown. Eight o'clock tonight, seven thirty the airtime on News Radio 1070 WKOK, streaming live on WKOK.com, and also on the Penn State Sports Network. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors. <laughs> Sports Talk, where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back. Great to have you with us. Plenty uh, to happen here on the show today. We'll have Matt Leon, the play-by-play voice of Penn basketball. Matt, of course, is on all the time. We talk to him about the Eagles. We talk to him about the Phillies. But it also turns out that Matt Matt is also the play-by-play voice of Penn basketball. They will play Kansas coming up uh, on Friday night. And uh, we'll have Doug Birdsong on Friday as well to preview Bucknell, Michigan State. Then Patrick Chambers, the head basketball coach of the Nittany Lions, will join us in the next half hour to preview tonight's Penn State Temple game. At the Jordan Center, which is an 8 o'clock tip off. We're on beginning at 7 30 on WKOK and the Penn State Sports Network. And Mark Narducci of the Philadelphia Inquirer, who actually won't be at the Jordan Center tonight because he is out in Wichita to cover Penn, but he covered Temple all season long and he will be telling us a previewing the Penn State Temple game for tonight. Tomorrow, Jeff Byers will join us from Cleveland to talk about the NCAA Wrestling Championships. I mentioned Doug will be on Friday's show to preview uh, Bucknell and Michigan State, which will take place at the Little Caesar Center in Detroit. Uh, Matt Leon in just a few moments, but first, this day in sports history. 1960, Will Chamberlain of the Philadelphia Warriors scored a record 53 points. Now, eventually, he broke that record and eventually got it to 100 points at Hershey Park Arena in 1962. And in 1962, Will Chamberlain played every minute of every game for the 47th consecutive game. The streak, by the way, ended during the Warriors' next game. 1967, the AFL and the NFL held the first common draft. The two leagues merged in 1970. The first player selected Bubba Smith, the defensive lineman from Michigan State, who went to the Baltimore Colts. Now, the timing is interesting on this, because so much in sports is mythology. For example, everyone... Not everyone. There are a lot of people who think, based on mythology, that when the New York Jets beat the Colts, with Bubba Smith, by the way, that that forced the two leagues to merge. Not true. They came to an agreement in the summer of 1966... So the only pure AFL team to ever play in the Super Bowl was Super Bowl One, when the Kansas City Chiefs played the Green Bay Packers and the Packers won the game 35-10. to 10. This common draft was in 1967 on this date. And that is almost two years, 22 months, before the Jets beat the Colts 16-7 in Super Bowl Three. The merger was already in the works, but the mythology has always been, well, hey, when the Jets beat the Colts, hey, we we ought to merge. No, what it did was it made everybody in the NFL – I'm talking about Pete Rozelle. Okay, we're going to have competitive teams in this thing. They're not going to be bad. 1972, the Cincinnati Royals of the National Basketball Association announced that the team's franchise would move to Kansas City at the end of the season. Not only they moved to Kansas City, but they also played a few games in Omaha. They were known as the Kansas City Omaha Kings. They're now the Sacramento Kings. In uh, 1992, Stacey Augman of the Atlanta Hawks scored the 6 millionth point in NBA history. In 2005, Major League Baseball gave a congressional committee about 400 pages of documents related to drug testing. It was also reported that Bud Selig would be willing to testify at the hearings that were planned for March 17th. Now, there are several names that were put into those 400 that were in the sample test area. It'll be interesting to see, for example, what happens with them when they come up for Hall of Fame consideration, because one of those names that was in there, and he's always vehemently denied it, he's always vehemently denied it, was David Ortiz. Now, the body of work of David Ortiz is obviously a first-ballot Hall of Famer. Will that test that's put in that 400-page report be held against him by some people? We'll find out. Uh, He's not going to be up for consideration for what? Four more years? Something like that. Three? Four more years? Something like that. All right. Penn, the Ivy League championship took place at the Palestra. Now, the Palestra was selected as the site before the season began. And it was the site of last year's first ever Ivy League tournament, where they take the top four teams in the standings, they bring them there, they play a semifinal, Penn beat Yale, uh, and then squared off at Harvard on Saturday. It wasn't just a good basketball game, it was a great basketball game, and the Palestra was sold out. Sold out. Wild atmosphere. They won 68-65, holding them off at the end. The play-by-play voice, and on his way to the NCAA tournament, with well, congratulations from me to him is the outstanding Matt Leah. Matt, welcome back to the show. What a feeling. Congratulations.
2: Well, I appreciate that. Uh, it was an incredible game. I don't know that I've ever seen a game with more violent momentum swings than that one had, uh, where one team was all in and the other team looked lost. Uh, and uh, was fortunate enough to be, uh, to not stumble on the final seconds so
0: no you had everything you had the kick out to the corner you had the shot you had the end of the game you had the fact it was going to be uh you know it could be tied but the 13 point i mean what were the elements that went into that that were pure pen that you saw elements of all season
2: uh well it was darnell foreman leading the way the senior guard and he is not really uh, a scorer he's not a guy that you're going to look at that you expect to to take over a game offensively but uh he scored 19 for all 19 of his points in the first half uh and basically he played like a senior who was determined to get to the ncaa tournament for the first time in his career and he knew this was the window uh that i mean darnell playing well isn't new but darnell taking over an offense like that is something we don't normally see. Uh, As far as what we saw that the Quakers normally do, good defense around the perimeter, really frustrated uh, Harvard. They did a really good job defensively. Harvard's uh, one of their better players in the front court is a kid named Chris Lewis, uh, son of Mo Lewis, a former Jets linebacker. Mm -hmm. Big, big kid, built kind of like a linebacker, but has a soft touch around the basket, and he's lethal five feet and in. Uh, But Penn did a good job, specifically their bigs, A.J. Broder, Max Rothschild, of forcing Lewis to about eight, nine feet away instead of four, five away. And Lewis was still trying to, to do his, play his game and take the same types of shots, and he really got out of sync and out of whack and uh, was really kind of brought the whole Harvard offense down with him uh, during that stretch because uh, he was just trying to do the same things that he normally does, and Penn wouldn't let him. Um, Penn, you know, one of the best teams in the country, defending the three. Uh, as the during that run, they they did a good job locking down uh, on the perimeter, uh, and it was it was really something else. All
0: right. Uh, any complaints from the now? You and I both know the logical place to hold that tournament is the palestra. It's the logical place to hold it. There's no getting around the logic of it. But now that it's been there a couple of years, and now Penn's won it in there, are there any complaints from the other schools about the Palestra being the site?
2: Not that I heard on the men's side. Uh, the Princeton head... On the women's side, I'm sorry. A Princeton's women's head coach uh, was kind of like, I don't quite understand why we're playing this at the Palestra. It should be played in Jadwin. Uh, you know, and she made a lot of good points, and I understand. But, uh, like you said... I, you're, there's nowhere else that's going to have the atmosphere of the polyestster that's right and if you have if you have to or not have to if you're going to showcase your league for for two days like that, it is really hard to have that on the table and say, yeah, but what else is what else could we do uh I think what they might eventually do is some is probably go to the top seeds and, and just do it that way uh that's just. If they're going to change it, I should say, if they're not going to just stay at the Palestra, because it was just the first couple of years, and then they're they're going to look at it. Because uh, I don't know that any of the other venues, specifically in the Ivy League, would, you know, could could would either be big enough, display enough, and be able to handle it. Uh, you could always go neutral site, you know. I guess go somewhere like Allentown or or you know North Jersey or something. But I don't know what kind of cachet that would have, and I think you would run the risk of playing in front of some. Uh, you know, less than stellar crowds, uh, depending on who's playing. So I understand the argument if you're other teams and uh, you have to play home floor and you had a better record during the regular season or you beat the pen twice. But I also, you know, if you've got that as an option, it's really hard to say no to that.
0: Right. No, I, I understand that. Uh, I've got it now the matchup with Kansas coming up. Uh, one area where Penn was pretty good this year was actually two-point percentage defense. I mean, they were—they only gave up 48%. That put them in the top 100. I'm, I think maybe top 90 in the country in two-point percentage defense. But for Kansas, they really excel at two-point percentage offense. I mean, they 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 were thirteenth in the nation, fifty-six point five percent. Is that and can they hold off Kansas? And-
2: yeah, and I think uh, they have to. I think the early in the game will be key. You don't want Kansas because it is in Wichita, so it's going to be partisan uh, <laughs> yeah. a little bit. So you don't you don't want Kansas to to start to eat early. And uh, really get out and you know, we're talking about a team that averages 82 points, you know, five guys in double figures, Uh, but no, I think that's going to be a key to and the three-point defense as well. Uh, Penn is really good perimeter defensively uh, and they've done that in a lot of big games where they've held teams down. Uh, You know, and Penn's going to have to score. I think Penn's defense, if you're going to look at the whole Penn's defense is further along than their offense, so you know, if they're going to you know, I think Penn can play good defense in this game and probably still give up low seventies. So you're going to have to find a way to to get close to that point. You know, uh, against a team that's going to be bigger, faster, stronger than you.
0: I think Penn at minimum needs 75.
2: Yeah, fair, nah, fair? that's about what. I, yeah, that's what I was I was thinking. Uh, I you know uh, obviously I'm not looking at this completely objectively. I thought a 16 seed was unfair for them. I thought they. I thought they were four. I
0: thought they were 14. How about that?
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I get the feeling like there wasn't the the, uh, the Ivy League as a whole was probably down this year, uh, mostly because of uh, you know, teams had some key injuries that uh, you know, probably didn't let them excel. Maybe the non-conferences, the uh, teams sort of like, but uh I don't get the feeling the committee spent that much time, you know, looking at no. Penn's body of work. They just probably looked at the overall Ivy League metrics and just plugged them in so they could move on somewhere else cuz 16s really not Fair for what the kind of season they had.
0: Uh, Well, and I completely understand that. It's just if this is how I look at it, if Bucknell were playing Penn, who'd be the favorite? (sighs) It might be a pick'em.
2: Yeah, probably.
0: Right. Well, Bucknell's a fourteen. Now, right. now, Bucknell ended up with Michigan State. So, I mean, I'm not really sure <laughs> between Bucknell and Penn. Penn got Kansas and uh, and Bucknell got Michigan State. So, they both ended up with two teams that play in Chicago every year at the beginning of the season. Right. Uh I got to ask you about Jake Arietta. What does that move mean for the Phillies and is this not just the wins he can provide? Is this also mentoring?
2: I think it's mentoring, I think uh it along with uh Carlos Santana sends a message that the Phillies are ready to take that next step as far as how they look at their team and and you know the how they're trying to attack things as far as building a roster. Uh, I think he plugs in nicely. I like that the fact that it sounds like it's three years, and I think there's a possibility you could get out under two. I do have concerns that Arietta he started to show so some signs of. Um, maybe showing his age a little bit last year, and it's also maybe a little unfair. He got to be so dominant for so long that when a guy is just mm-hmm. pretty good, you all of a sudden start to wonder if he's losing it. Right. Uh, but I, you know, I think for what they got, and you know, some people will complain about the money. I'm not writing the checks, so I don't really care. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think it's a it's a fair it's a fair deal. It deepens the rotation. All of a sudden, the rotation makes a little more sense. You know, it's not you know all young guys. Uh, with Nola, you know, kind of being the bellwether. Not that he's not capable, but now you've got a guy who's won a Cy Young, who's thrown no hitters alongside Aaron Nola, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden, that Jared Eichhoff looks pretty good as a three-four type yeah. guy. And now, you know, you you can afford to have uh, you no know, competition, Pavetta, Velazquez at the back of the rotation, and you know, you don't have to utilize them all. And you know, I think they put themselves in a in a good spot. I was pretty confident they were going to do something when I saw Lance yep. Lynn go off the board first. Yep. Uh, I I kind of figured this was where it was going to happen. And I kind of, this is not based on any inside information or whatever, but I just kind of wonder if the Phillies told Arietta, look, this is what we'll do. We'll do three years, 75, you know, and here are the, the way we'll break down. Uh, take it or leave it. And I wonder if he just kind of kept around and kind of touching base. And yeah, that's pretty much where we are. And then he finally kind of came back to them, and uh, that's how it got together. That's
0: well, about how J.D. Martinez got done. Yeah, there you go ahead. Circle around all you want. We've got the best deal out there for you. It may not be what you wanted, but
2: you know, right,
0: you know, we will pay, and it is guaranteed. And guess what? The checks don't bounce.
2: Yeah, amen to that.
0: <laughs> amen to that. <laughs> uh, I'm. You play what day? Thursday, Friday?
2: Thursday. Thursday at two Eastern.
0: So you will leave, uh, and then the open practice on Wednesday.
2: Correct. Correct.
0: Enjoy every second of it.
2: I will, my friend.
0: Enjoy every say. You earned it. Uh, The call at the end was brilliant. We played it back as our call of the day, as a matter of
2: fact. Uh, Oh, well, thank you for that.
0: It was really that good. Matt, thanks. Congratulations. Enjoy it. We'll talk next week.
2: Thank you, sir. Bye-bye.
0: Matt Leon, the play-by-play voice of Penn Basketball. They've got Kansas coming up in the opening round. Doug Birdsong is going to join us from Detroit on Friday to preview Bucknell and Michigan State. Tomorrow, Jeff Byers from Cleveland at the NCAA Wrestling Championships. Last night, St. Bonaventure. I'm so happy for Mark Schmidt. You're like, why would you be happy for Mark Schmidt? Mark Schmidt, many years ago, was an assistant coach here at Penn State. I always thought he'd be a great head coach. He just has that kind of personality. Well, his team last night beat UCLA. St. Bonaventure beat UCLA 65-58. to They got Florida next. Radford won, beat LIU Brooklyn 71-61. Now, the feature game tonight is Syracuse and Arizona State as they go head-to-head in the tournament. Also, uh, Mike Davis, remember the old uh, Indiana coach? He coaches Texas Southern. His team is going to play tonight. As well. Uh, NIT last night. Notre Dame won, beat Hampton, 84 63. No problem there. Uh, Baylor, no problem, beat Wagner, 80 59. Louisville, completely disinterested first half, found some interest in the second half, beat Northern Kentucky, 66 58. Middle Tennessee won, they beat Vermont, 91 64. Western Kentucky beat Boston College, 79 62. Oklahoma State beat Florida Gulf Coast 80-68, St. Mary's beat Southeast Louisiana 89-45, and Oregon uh, finally rallied and beat Ryder last night 99-86, and USC beat UNC Asheville in two overtimes last night, 103-98. That was double the Bill Walton last night. Walton had that game last night. And uh, the big news is DeAndre Hunter is now out of the NCAA tournament For Virginia, that takes their best athlete out. Uh, Hunter was not starting. Tony Bennett was bringing him off the bench. And he gave them just a different element out there. Here's the odd thing, though, about Virginia, at least to me. There is no way on the planet all season long I thought they were going to the Final Four. And they may still not get there. There's no way. I kept saying to myself, look, they won't get through the second weekend. They don't have enough offense. They won't get through the second weekend. They don't have enough offense. Yet then I started watching, really watching Virginia. I'd you know, pick up a game here pick up a game there, and then I watched all three games they had in the ACC tournament you know Penn, the big Ten tournament was over the weekend before I could watch everything last week i wasn't i wasn't bound to watch anything <laughs> yeah you know? so i actually was you know i was i was a couch potato over the weekend well not all not the entire time I actually went out and actually played golf believe it or not but I got to watch virginia three times. I watched them dictate the tempo, run their offense to perfection, and the pack line defense, which they are committed to, I watched them play to near perfection. Now, on my bracket, I picked Virginia to win it. Now, that was before Hunter got hurt. Hunter, by the way, I think broke a bone in his wrist. Uh, and that's why he's out. So, he, I mean, that that's going to take months to heal. But... I every time I watch them I'm thinking okay they're okay all right they're good there's no doubt they're good they play their style well yet I never see them trailing in games I see them getting to the lead and basically suffocating whomever they're facing or you know and teams get desperate against them That's the uh, something else I noticed last night too between the NIT and the two NCAA tournament games, Radford and L.I.U., Brooklyn, and St. Bonaventure and UCLA. Man, I saw a lot of three-point shots last night. A lot of three-point shots. The three-point line, the NIT, is further back. That, to me, is interesting. I say this in yesterday's practice, though. Josh Reeves, Tony Carr, and Chef Garner had no problem with the distance. And we'll talk to Patrick Chambers about that next half hour here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.